Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. but We all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the Burner Less Lethal Pistol Launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. So like many of you, I have trouble sleeping. I have insomnia. No matter what I tried, it wouldn't work until I met Mike Lindell and I got my very own MyPillow. It has changed my life. What makes MyPillow so different is MyPillow's patented adjustable fill. In other words, you can adjust the patented fill to your exact individual needs so you get the support you need and want to help you get to sleep faster and stay asleep longer. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-919-6090. Remember, use the promo code Hannity. When you do, Mike Lindell will give you his best offer ever. Buy one pillow and get another one absolutely free. MyPillow, made in the USA, 10-year unconditional warranty, and it has a 60-day, no-questions-asked money-back guarantee. You have nothing to lose. So it's time for you to start getting the quality of sleep that you've been wanting and we need. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity. Take advantage of Mike's special two-for-one offer, MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. I had a text out to Stephen A. Smith. I was messing with him. He sent me uh, a copy of his ratings on ESPN, and it's, I said it's up 70%, uh, which is a, a healthy, you know, we're, we are, again, and I need to thank people, the number one show on cable news. And we really, really want to thank you. You know, By the way, you know what Conspiracy Theory TV tried to do? They tried to actually manipulate the numbers and take shows where I wasn't even there. And add it to my show number so they could drive it down. <laughs> I mean, they're not even honest about that. It's just, it's hilarious. And some of the fake news media ran with their phony numbers. It's unbelievable. So I wrote, so I wrote Steve. I said, you want it, Stephen A., you want to know why you're up 70%. And he writes back, why? And I go, because it's a great show. You know, it's like, remember Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come. And, by, and we're trying to do that here on this show every single day. 
We want to put on the best show with the best guests, guests and the and the most informative topics that we can find and the things that impact your life that you care about. And then we put Linda on to do it in an entertaining way. First of all, first of all, can you? Be- I still can't believe that that your partner in crime is marrying your brother. And I still can't believe I found out about it before you did, which is amazing. You get all the breaking news first. Yeah, That's why of people course. listen to you. Just listen three hours a day. It's all we ask. That is a, a big, big coup on uh, all of your parts. Um, now, we had a caller. What was her name? The woman that called in made $60,000 uh, between her and her husband. And, and her reading of this tax bill was that she is going to end up paying more. And I, and I hear a lot of people saying things, and then I'm, I'm doing all my deep dive into the tax bill, and I've told you what I like about it. I told you what I wish they do more on, which is the, the top rate. I really do think, and I've thought a lot about this, I, the more I think, and it's not something I've really focused on in the past, the idea that the state and local tax income tax deductions it really is unfair to those states that that elect politicians that are fiscally responsible that only if you live in a state like New York or a state like New Jersey or California that when you really think about it, why should people in Texas and Florida and low tax states they really end up subsidizing the tax break for people that keep electing dumb people that spend too much and keep raising their taxes. Now, I'm saying that as somebody that because of my job and what I do, I am I'm tiered to New York. Now, I was New York born and raised. I there's a lot about New York I like. New York City is not one of them. And dealing with the traffic. I'll tell you, like, for example, last night I had to meet a friend of mine, meet a friend of mine. Then I'm I'm trying to get to work. And then I'm in a, a taxi cab. And then the taxi cab doesn't move. And then I realize, oh, no, nobody told me. I forgot the stupid Christmas tree lighting. I know it sounds like Scrooge, right? But then I have to get out of the car. And literally, the way, there's millions of people. Millions of I met the nicest people from Kentucky, Lexington. Every time I turned around, we bumped into each other again. It was hilarious. And so but then the police would move you down one street. And then it's like they've got these these barricades and they force you to the left, force you down this street, force you around that street and then down this street. Then you can go back in the direction you were going in. You can't get to the Christmas tree lighting. That, that was the. Great irony of all. I doubt the people from Kentucky got there. I wish I got their numbers. I'd follow through and ask them. So there's a lot of downside. Very congested. I, I like some fresh air and a little bit of space. And uh, you don't get, which is why one of the reasons I live in a, a different part of New York than the city. I live in Long Island and I, it's a pretty long commute, but I do it every day because I just prefer, I just prefer a little, you know, green grass and high tides forever. To quote the old Outlaws song. That's really dated, but it's a great workout song. We play it a lot when I'm doing my ninja. Anyway, so let's back to the tax back to the tax bill for just a second here. And so you have questions, and I am going to bring in Steve Moore later in the program. As a matter of fact, at the top of the next hour, he's a distinguished visiting fellow for the Project of Economic Growth at the Heritage Foundation. We had a caller, doesn't know how this bill is going to impact 
their specific tax bracket and where they stand. They And, and I kind of doubt what she was suggesting ends up being true. And now a lot of small business owners, and there's still a battle ongoing. I know Ron Johnson of Wisconsin still pushing very, very hard to lower the tax rate for small business owners. That would be an improvement in my view. Uh, I like the fact that corporate tax cut is going to have a major impact on the economy. The president went through all the numbers yesterday. I've, look at the, the Dow Jones again is up today, you know, a few hundred points. It's an amazing response to the president's tax cut economic plan. But it's been that way since the president said he's going to end burdensome regulation. You know, now we have a 17-year high in consumer confidence. Uh, we had, what, nearly 300,000 jobs created in October alone. I think we're now at the 2 million job creation point in terms of since Donald Trump was elected. And the confidence that we've been seeing has been pretty amazing. We have the, the lowest number of people on food stamps in seven, what, in seven years now. That means more people are getting out of poverty. That means more opportunity. I went through the list of corporations that have decided to stay in part because the president pressured them to stay here. I won't go through all of these statistics. The thing that frustrates me the most, and I watched the New York Times asking people to contact their senators. Why? Because say no to the to the tax cuts for corporations, the repatriation of multinationals and say no to pretty much everything. Okay, but they're the same people that endorsed Obama. And all last year, I told you how horrible his record was. 13 million more Americans on food stamps in eight years. A doubling of our national debt. He said, $9 trillion in debt is irresponsible and unpatriotic. He leaves us with $20 trillion. Barack Obama accumulated more debt than every single other president before him combined. The way Bush has done it. All right, we don't need to play that. People have heard that a lot last year. We don't need to go that. But the point is, then we had the worst recovery since the 40s. Home ownership rate, the lowest rate in, in 51 years. You double the national debt. Lowest labor participation rate. We've had the best labor participation rate in seven years. And it's all because there's confidence. Look, I am not a stock market guy. That is not my barometer. Although you got to look at the, the surge in confidence in stocks. It's meaningful in this way. And that is how does corporate America perceive the direction of and the fiscal health of the country? Now, we had an upward, we had the revision upward yesterday of the last quarter GDP from 3 to 3.3%. We never had a single year at 3% with Barack Obama as president. He's the only president in the history of the country that had negative growth. New York Times is saying, no, don't support this bill. And I'm thinking, oh, well, what you supported gave us 13 million more Americans in poverty, 8 million more Americans, well, 13 more million in, uh, in, on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty. You gave us a policy that doubled our debt. You gave us the lowest labor participation rate in years. You gave us a, a stagnant economy and the worst recovery in 40 years. This, the, we need the infusion. You know, I know that the left loves class warfare. You know, every election year, it's rich versus poor, old versus young, black versus white, men versus women. Every single election year, it's the same playbook. But you know what? 
when corporations, if they're going to invest, as we have been hearing, one company after another that started with Carrier and then moved to Ford and then moved to, you know, all these other companies, even Apple has gotten on board and they're building facilities in Ohio and Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania. Oh, maybe it's not impacting all you elites in New York and D.C. and and Los Angeles and San Francisco. But these are real jobs, real opportunities for real people that have been suffering under your stupid ideas and your belief in redistribution. So I don't want to hear it. But when you consider the corporate tax cuts, you consider the middle class tax cuts and you consider the repatriation money. And more importantly, I've been advocating this for years the push towards energy independence, those are career jobs. We started out when we partnered with those energy companies. We got people salaries of $100,000 and in some cases more, and in some cases free training. And these are people that didn't have jobs, didn't have opportunity, or they're making $30,000 a year. You go from 30 to 80, you go from 30 to 90,000, that's a game changer in your life. That's not owning a home versus owning a home. That's a new car, a new truck, or an old, you know, jalopy. It's such a big difference in people's lives. And the whole election was about the forgotten men and women. You know, and that's why this whole, you know, effort to destroy this president is falling flat. Well, I'm glad to announce Senator McCain. You never know what Senator McCain is going to do on anything. But remember, he cast the deciding vote to scuttle the repeal of Obamacare And he said, well, after careful thought and consideration, I have decided to support the Senate tax reform bill. I believe this legislation, though far from perfect, would enhance American competitiveness, boost the economy, provide long overdue tax relief for middle class families. And he said that it will directly benefit all America. Yeah, of course. John Kennedy did it. Ronald Reagan did it. The results are phenomenal. We're already seeing results and we haven't even implemented half of this. Guy Benson actually had a pretty interesting piece out today, and he put out an update. His original post, he said, we're going to check. We'll get to study the mention headline uh, shortly. But he said, first, it's already time for another check, a tax form or tax reform fact check necessitated by the left's relentless machine of anti-reform propaganda and distortions. And, you know, then he went on to say how people in the media, uh, the Congressional Budget Office and their analysis of the tax bill, And anyway, but he says in a significant step forward, the U.S. Senate has adopted a crucial motion to proceed, which happened last night uh, for a formal debate, which means this bill is going to pass because it went along a party line vote of 52-48. And uh, every Democrat, including so-called moderates, there are no moderates in the Senate, Manchin, McCaskill, Donnelly, Tester, Bill Nelson, Heidi Heitkamp. Let me tell you something. They all saluted, you know, Chuck Schumer, here you go. Yes, Chuck, whatever you want. But the bottom line is Americans are going to pay less. Opportunity is going to emerge. I only wish it went further. I only wish it was across the board tax cuts. Because if it's across the board, then you get even a bigger bang for your buck. And that means that the 20 percent of Americans that pay all the taxes, that they would get a break. You know what? American, you deserve your money back. They spend too much. They're reckless and they're irresponsible. And they burden businesses too much. And, and we're dependent on energy, the lifeblood of our economy, which is the dumbest thing we ever did as a country. Anyway, I want this thing. It's going to be a good, I call it a good start. I'll be very happy if it passes because you know what? 
and I'm going to pay more because I live in a state where my fellow citizens elect really stupid, greedy, big spending, big taxing politicians. So I'm suffering because of my neighbor's stupidity in this. If Florida and Texas can do without a state income tax, I think all the other states should be able to as well. Hey, you know how I love hearing great American success stories and sharing them all with you. Well, our favorite T-shirt, underwear, sock company, Tommy John, well, that's one of them. Now, Tom Patterson grew up in a small town in South Dakota. After college, he had a successful career. He was selling medical devices on the West Coast. But he quickly became fed up with the way his undershirt kept coming untucked. So despite having zero background in men's fashion whatsoever, Tom sketched up some designs for smarter undergarments. Now, starting out of his apartment and growing Tommy John to the globally recognized company it is today, well, he achieved, Tom did, the American dream. Now, of course, they're super soft. They're undershirts. Guess what? They never come untucked. Plus, all of Tommy John underwear is backed by the best pair you'll ever wear, guarantee, or it's free. Go to TommyJohn.com slash for 20% off your first order. TommyJohn.com slash Hannity. You get 20% off your first order. TommyJohn.com slash Hannity. 20% off. That's TommyJohn.com slash Hannity. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You know, I understand the real reason Democrats hate losing the state and local tax deduction because it actually may... Imagine this. You know, could you imagine the people of California and New York? 13.5% top rate California state income tax. That's on top of your 39.6% or 9% rate that you have at the federal. Imagine that right off the top, income tax only, that's 53.5% of your money going immediately just in state in, and, and federal income taxes. All right, now we pay FICA, Social Security taxes. Then you got in both New York and in California, you got, oh, let's see, high sales taxes, high property taxes, and basically all the hidden taxes. You go to a baseball game, you're being taxed for that. You go to a football game, you're being taxed for that. I mean, there's hardly an instance where these greedy, you know who's greedy? You know, this always is said by the left. They always say that, oh, the greedy rich people just want their own money. I'm like, okay, they earn the money. Most people I know that most people I know that have anything in life got it the old fashioned way. They went out hard and worked for it. That's how they got it. Not ill gotten gains. These aren't drug dealers. These you know, these aren't criminals. These are people that, that worked extraordinarily hard to make this happen for them for, for their families. You know the people that are greedy, though? People in power. Politicians. Because they want more of your money so they can basically go out there and buy votes with your money by giving gifts and grants. They want to redistribute and building constituencies with their money. And they're the ones that are so greedy, they don't give a flying rip that that means you won't get to take a family vacation or buy a new car or upgrade your house or get a first home. They just don't care. They are the greedy, selfish ones in this equation. Politicians, they disgust me. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. All right, so Steve Moore is going to join us at the top of the next hour. I think this is important to do um, because a lot of you have questions. I, we can't give totally definitive answers in all of this, and I just want everybody to understand why. It's not that we don't want to, but 
Assuming now that the House, I'm fixing my flag mic here, assuming now that the Senate will pass their version of this tax reform tax cut bill, which I think we pretty much know the guts of it and versus the, the House version, um, then it's got to go to conference. You have representatives from the House, representatives from the Senate, and then they agree on a final version. Usually goes back for a vote to both chambers, then boom, on the president's desk, which would mean if they do pass it in the Senate, which may happen during my TV show tonight, uh, maybe the latest tomorrow. So then conference begins, and, and this will be done before Christmas, and it would be a bit of a Christmas. Pro- I honestly had my doubts starting this week whether or not this was even going to be a possibility. I do not have a lot of faith in the Republican Party, especially in the United States Senate. And I feel that they have this lack of urgency. There's two big complaints I have. One is I don't understand how people roll at the pace that these people in Washington do. Excessive expectations about how quickly things happen. Yeah, I know. In the democratic process. Because you need to take all those vacations that you guys take. I know constituency services on the golf course and out to dinner with prominent, important people that are going to donate money to your campaigns. I just have been around too long that I know how the game is played, and it's frustrating because their first concern, their job, that we elect them to be public servants. Now, when you think of the word servant, what does it mean? Well, when I was a waiter, I was a server. I served people in, in a restaurant. And I, I, I can't even tell you, every time I go to a restaurant today, I, my mind goes back to when I did that. Or when I go to a, a bartender and ask for a drink, I, it always goes there. My mind just goes back. And I usually end up striking conversations because I'm just that type of person. I don't shut up. Here's the problem. I don't, let's be honest about it. You know, every time, anytime we've been out together, what do I do? I talk to everybody. And I'm interested in people's lives. There's a particular restaurant that we, we occasionally go to in New York. It's really nice, and it's a, a steak place. And uh, I know every single person that works there, only because they've been there tw- you know, the whole 23 years I've been at Fox. And, and I go in there, and, and I just love the people. Many of them are from all over the country, and they came to New York because they're hoping and praying, and they have dreams. And their dream is they want to work on Broadway. And they spend their days auditioning and their nights waiting tables. So it's an incre- and it's an incredibly demanding job. You got this table. Oh, get me this drink. Oh, by the way, can I have salt with that? No, 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 no. I, just, I told you no onions with that, that you know, et cetera. It's, just, it's tough. And I have, I have yet to meet a person there that doesn't do their job with a smile and, doesn't, and is not extraordinarily polite. They're incredible. But they're serving the people that are the customers of that restaurant. Politicians are supposed to serve you and supposed to serve their constituents. And they don't have that mindset. And a perfect example they don't have the mindset is, oh, excessive expectations. Yeah, the president's not used to this swamp. We'll get him him up to speed, you know, and taking all these endless vacations and junkets. And then they meet with the, the powerful that, are in their communities, but they're really only meeting for them. You know, by the way, you know, can we get rid of Can we add this regulation? I don't like this. Uh, sure, I'm going to donate to your campaign. We'd be deluding ourselves if we didn't think that goes on every single day. 
And it's a big problem. One of the things I think worked for Trump is he kept saying, I don't need your money. I'm beholden to nobody. The, the most fascinating aspect of the Trump presidency to me is this. Number one, he ends up being right so often, and it drives the media crazy. And you know what he's going to be super right on? No Trump-Russian collusion. That's going to be, you know, when it finally sinks in, I can't wait to go back and take all the clips and all the cuts of everybody and and say, see what NBC said? See what CNN said? See what ABC, NBC, and CBS said? Fake news. Here's the evidence. Just like they wouldn't vet Obama's record in the last election. Nor would they dare cover Hillary Clinton and her role in the smearing and the slandering of, of women that accused her husband of everything from misconduct to outright rape and groping and grabbing and fondling and touching and kissing women against their will. It's just amazing to watch this whole thing. But, you know, the media does not do their job. Now they're fixated on, I've never seen anything like it. They're fixated on what I do every day. And, you know, the ratings just came in. We're number one again in all demographics like we were last month, thanks to you. And I think part of the reason is, is because we are giving people news and information that you can't get anywhere else. And we work hard every day. That's Listen, I'm the, the next half hour of the show, at the top of the next hour, I am doing because it is a listener request. And I figured if one listener feels this way, probably many of you do. How does this tax bill impact me? And that's the question you should be asking. And I know, I already know how it's going to impact me. I'm going to pay more. But the overall, overall benefit of middle-class tax cuts, corporate tax cuts, repatriation and energy the energy independence policies that the president's taken, coupled with the confidence that already exists in large part because he got rid of all this burdensome regulation, it's worth it. Because I still relate to, you know, I said this to the guy in the New York Times piece, you know, I don't feel, I still relate to the kid that was washing dishes at 12 and cooking at 13 and bussing tables and being away. I just do. And it's sad in a country like ours. How did we get to the point 50 million Americans are on food stamps? And I would say part of it is not even some people's fault. If they can't find a job where they live, how do you get out of that situation? We want to, you know, we now have the lowest unemployment rate in like 17 years. Now we have the best labor participation numbers in seven. You know, we have two million jobs that have that have hit the streets and been created since Trump's in office. These are all positive steps. I don't think people are looking. Many people want the hand out as much as they want to ladder up. I really do. Because you know what? Let's say you can say, well, some people are lazy whatever. I don't know what people's motivations are. Maybe some people are. I mean, people make really bad decisions in their life. There are people that woke up this morning and the first thought was, how am I going to get a bag of heroin? How am I going to get my next dose of cocaine? Where am I going to get my my 30 OxyContin pills for the day? And you know what? Those are choices. And you say, well, Hannity, it's an illness. It's a sickness. It's a disease. Okay, I don't disagree. But to a point, if one heroin addict that was addicted for 20 years can quit, you can't tell me that all of them can't. Now, do they need help and treatment? That's, yeah, okay, it's all fair arguments. I'm not making broad generalizations here. I'm just saying people make choices. But I got to tell you something. I can't think of a worse existence in this life. 
you know, imagine you get your dream come true. You're so sick of work. I remember the day, oh, God, I have to go to work today. I got to lug those those shingles up, you know, three flights of stairs. Oh, pain in the neck. You know, by the time you go home, my shoulder's bleeding. It just, you know, you're worn out. It's like, oh, this gets old. But, all right, what's the alternative? What am I going to do, sit home and watch soap operas? I don't even know if there are any more soap operas. You're going to watch the Cartoon Network all day? You know, you, you, everybody, I think, has a natural need to, to fill a void in life. Something. You've got to provide something for others. Now, granted, I think all of us put ourselves first. Natural, not bad. But also, you know, think about this. If you, and I watch this show um, a lot over the Thanksgiving Day holiday. It's, uh, it's called Life Below Zero. And it's all these people that made a decision for one reason or another. They want to live in the wilderness. And they're, they, they only have themselves to count on. I, I've watched this hour after hour after hour. I am fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by the ingenuity of, of the people and how they make, they have to make everything work. Hunting season for some of them is less than three months long before the brutal winter kicks back in. Why you people want to live in 40, 50, 60 degree below zero weather, I don't know. But I, it fascinates me that, you know, a guy invented a machine where the salmon flow and he catches 700 huge big salmon a day for his sleigh dogs that he uses in the wintertime. And the thing, it just goes round and round, scoops up the fish, puts them off to the side in a bin. It's amazing. I'm like, that's brilliant. And, you know, meanwhile, I go out fishing. I can't catch a single fish. Even if they're bouncing all around me, I can't catch one. It's pathetic. The only way I catch them is when I go down to Naples. And uh, there's this one captain I've gotten to know down there. And I say, can you please take me out? I'm too stupid to fish on my own. And he takes me out and he babysits me. He says, all right, when you feel it, just tug this. Yeah. Now, when the when you feel the weight hit the bottom... Just reel one, two, three You know three that times. Ethan is like a, a professional fisherman. Are you really? I fish a lot, yeah. Yeah. Well, and then I know people don't like life below zero because you see they do do moose hunting and, and they deer hunting. One guy caught a goat in one episode, a mountain yeah, goat. Yeah, I don't, I don't like any of that. Yeah, you're basically describing like hell for Linda, seeing all these animals, these no, innocent no, listen, little by, animals by die. By the way, I'm not going to, I am going to sound like a total wimp. I don't want to, I just don't want to do that. And then they're all sitting there and their car- blood all over their hands and they're carving the, the, the Okay, okay, we got the, the fur off thank the you. bear. Thank and you. It's, I think thank that you. we found your job okay, after radio. I got a question. Do you eat meat? I know, I know. I hire assassins. You hire assassins. That's right. And you know what I ask them to do? To be quiet and to package quiet. my meat and put it in the grocery store. And don't tell me the dirty details. Thank you. But you see the blood coming out of the steak that oh you're buying. Oh, my God. <laughs> Am I stuttering? No. Well, you do. I mean, it's just a fact. No. Yes. That's blood. That's not what do you think no, it is. No, because Red I, I buy Nature's Promise, and it's all organic, and I don't see any of that. All right. As long as that makes you feel better. It you does. Just... Thank you very much. All right, we have some other things happening. And, oh, by the way, did you hear the story about one NBC staffer? Said she was summoned to Lauer's office, and uh, she came forward. And in, in a, I guess had the button underneath the table to lock the office door. How creepy is that? I don't know. I mean, supposedly this is common practice over there. You know, I understand, like, flirting. I understand, like, things that people—I can get some of this. 
This this is creepy, creepy, creepy stuff. This is predator stuff. Very different. Anyway, so he summoned a married female employee to his office, locked the door with the button, and apparently sexually assaulted this woman until she passed out and then took her to the nurse. I, and she's, I, I, it's, oh. You have another new accuser for Al Franken. Now, Nancy Pelosi did come out and say today, this is the same Nancy Pelosi that said he's an icon on Sunday, the same Nancy Pelosi that said he deserves due process. She's now saying Conyers has to resign. And Conyers' spokesman blames a media assault because Conyers apparently now is in the hospital. And then we've got Congressman uh, Conyers' lawyers telling Pelosi to pound sand on the resignation. Nancy Pelosi's uh, statement, which I'm sure all of you all are aware of at this juncture, calling on the congressman to resign. First of all, it is not up to Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi did not elect the congressman, and she sure as hell won't be the one to tell the congressman to leave. That decision will be completely up to the congressman. Now, but here's the problem with this whole thing for Nancy Pelosi. Just like every other liberal, they defended Bill Clinton and his predatory behavior for 30 years and the worst behavior. You know, the, the uh, you know, rape and groping and grabbing and fondling and just abusing women. And then it was the slander and the besmirchment and the smearing and everything else that went along with it. Just horrible. Anyway. So we got that going on. We have the latest on Mueller's investigation. We're going to take calls on this tax bill. We have Jonathan Gillum and Daniel McLaughlin's going to join us. Um, oh, we're going to check in with our Folds of Honor guys. Uh, These are great people. I saw it on Fox and Friends this morning, so we'll get into that today. And uh, we'll take your calls, 800. By the way, if you want to call in, now is the time. By the way, did Dave, let me put Dave in Texas up. I'll get to this real quick. Dave, you're a former heroin addict? Yeah, Sean, I'm a, I'm a, I came out here to West Texas from Detroit, and I've been a heroin addict three different times in my life. And you're exactly right on the money when you're talking about it comes down to a matter of a person making a decision. Uh, decision, and they decide to go out and get it. I understand about this. How did you make your decision? Tell me real quick. I got to a point in my life where I just said, that's it. I'm done. I, I, can't, I can't live this way anymore. How long were you an addict for? Many years, off and on. Uh, and, it, and did you get any, have you, are you working now? Is your life good? I'm working now. I took your advice a long time ago. I came out here in the oil field. I'm from Detroit. I came out here in the oil field, and I've been working out here, and I'm making a good living driving a truck out here in the oil field. Are you making close to 100 grand? No, not quite that much, but I, I don't you're doing. You're doing, it, you're doing well. You're doing pretty well. I'm doing good. I got insurance, uh, good, good health insurance, everything. Let me tell you something. So, uh, I'm gonna, people, I'll, we're gonna send you, we're gonna send you some stuff. We're gonna send you. Uh, God bless you. You're the, you're a, you're a redemption. Good story of the day. Good for you. I'm so happy that you were able to do that. All right, put him on hold. We're gonna send him something. All right. All right, so Steve Moore is going to join us, Heritage Foundation. We'll talk a little bit with him about, all right, how does this impact you and your family, this tax bill? 800-941-SEAN if you have questions. Tax cuts have already passed the House of Representatives. Big ones. Big ones. 
The eyes of the world now turn to the United States Senate. A successful vote in the Senate this week will bring us one giant step closer to delivering an incredible victory for the American people. Massive tax cuts and reform. I don't even mention the word reform because people don't know exactly what we're talking about. You know, for years, they have not been able to get tax cuts. Many, many years since Reagan. And the problem was they talked about tax reform, not tax cuts. I said, don't call it reform. Call it tax cuts and reform. We're also going to eliminate tax breaks and complex loopholes taken advantage of by the wealthy. Who are they? I don't know. I think my accountants are going crazy right now. It's all right. Hey, look, I'm president. I don't care. I don't care anymore. I don't care. Some of my wealthy friends care. Me, I don't care. This is a higher calling. Do we agree? As Hillary said, what difference does it make? Well, we'll also cut taxes for the millions of small businesses that file as individuals. And that's going to come out of the hopper. It's getting there and it's going to be better and better. We're reducing the tax burden on businesses of all sizes and of every single kind. As a candidate, I pledge to fight for American jobs. I think it's possibly the number one reason I got elected. And I think we've done a lot better at this point than anybody ever even thought possible. Think of that. Two million jobs since the election. Two million more jobs in this country since the election. Nobody expected that. Excuse me. I didn't even expect that. (laughs) But, you know, you cut those regulations and you give people spirit and incentive. And when you have the highest ratings in terms of confidence that the country's had in many, many years, maybe ever, things happen. The tax cut will mean more companies moving to America, staying in America, and hiring American workers right here. So that's so important, right? All right, that was the president in Missouri yesterday talking about the tax plan. It finally looks, I don't want to speak too early here, this could be a celebratory time. Uh, But anyway, uh, I got a call yesterday on this program, and I couldn't answer the question. I don't like not being able to answer a question. A woman said she was making $60,000 a year uh, between her and her husband, and she's worried. I've done a lot more cost analysis. There's a lot of things out there. Remember, the, the bill still, even after it passes the Senate, it's going to go to conference between the House and Senate bills, and then hopefully we'll come out with one that does cut taxes for all the middle class, gives us the corporate tax of 20%, the repatriation at a very low rate, which incentivizes multinationals to invest here and build factories and manufacturing centers here. Um, but anyway, if you actually look into it, the the real issues that I have now dug, have done a deep dive on is that, you know, we found out that a lot of the scoring was not correct. For example, you know, ordinary income, say a person has $30,000, pass-through income, nothing, marital status, single, one earner, no kids, tax-deferred retirement contributions, $2,600. You know, current law it would be forty-three thirty-one, and under this new law, they're going to save, you know, a net savings of hundreds of dollars in that particular case. Now, if you make more money, you're going to save even more. Anyway, so I invited Steve Moore and uh, he's a distinguished visiting fellow for the Project for Economic Growth at the Heritage Foundation. Can you, you know, people are asking me, 
day in and day out. Well, I think my taxes are going up. Now, I know for people that live in New York, New Jersey, California with high state and local taxes, income taxes, uh, the odds are uh, at a certain income you're going to end up paying more. True? Um, you know, it depends on your circumstance. By the way, I, as, as we're doing this radio interview, I'm looking at the stock ticker. Have you noticed this, Sean? It's unbelievable. <laughs> The Dow is up 310 points. I, I mean, know. The, the market loves this tax cut. And by the way, the, the stock market is not just the playpen of the rich. Anyone who has a 401k plan, anyone who has a pension plan, anyone who has an IRA, uh, you know, that's 100 million people are benefiting uh, from, from this. Uh, the, I've never seen anything like it, Sean. I've been in this business 30 years. You know, uh, just, and by the way, when you talk about you know, whether people will pay more tax or less people, I mean, the, the bottom line is 90% of the people are going to pay less taxes under this. But don't forget, folks, I mean, if you got a 401k plan, you know me, Sean, I'm not a rich guy. I'm upper middle class. I've made $6,000 in the last month just from the increase in my stocks. Yeah, pull it out now where you got a chance. I, I have never been a stock market fan. Anyway, I brought people on and I want you to answer yeah. their question because you delve into this so much more deeply yeah. than I ever can. Uh, so we're taking your questions, 800-941-SEAN for Stephen Moore. And uh, anyway, I told you I was going to do this, and here we are. Julianne is in Orlando with Steve Moore. How are you, Julianne? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. What's your question for Steve? My question is, is that everyone is tweeting, the Dems, the Libs, everybody's tweeting that the GOP tax bill is going to devastate, be devastating to women and students. And there seems to be four major deductions that are potentially devastating. And I just want to know your take on those tweets. Well, I'm not sure uh, which you know, what these folks are talking about. But look, I'll, I'll put it very simply. You know, the most important thing we do in this bill, in just in terms of, you know, cutting taxes for the middle class, is we double the standard deduction. So that means, you know, your first, if you're, if you're someone who, a woman who is married, and, uh, and if, uh, you know, you're going to get your first 20, around $27,000, dollars tax-free. You're not going to have to pay a penny on that. That's a doubling of that amount. Now, second of all, uh, if let's say uh, you have kids, let's say you have three kids. Well, you know, Sean, we, we increase the, the child credit by $600 per child. So that's $1,800 right off the top uh, uh, that you get in savings uh, from this bill. So I don't really understand even the argument that people are going to lose you know, money in this. The vast, vast, now look, if you live in California or New York where you have sky-high income taxes or New Jersey, uh, you know, you might pay a little bit more. But, the, you know, again, most people are going to pay a lot less. And, and I always say one other point. This is about growing the economy. This is about getting more jobs, about higher wages for workers, that prosperity is good for everyone. And, you know, being pro-business is being pro-worker. And I don't understand why a single Demo not one single Democrat in the House has voted for, the, for tax relief. And it looks like we may not get a single Democrat in the Senate. Does that help you, Julianne? I hope so. Well, what they're saying is that they're going to eliminate the student loan deduction, the child tax credit, the medical expense deduction, and the mortgage interest deduction. I want to know if those deductions are okay. really on the chopping block. So let me let me tell, let me address the last one on the mortgage deduction. Um, the the House bill sets a five hundred thousand um, dollar you know exemption law. So anybody with a home under five hundred thousand dollars is unaffected by this. And the the Senate plan, um, I believe, now it's still being written. They're still tweaking it, Sean. But the Senate plan does not get rid of the mortgage deduction. So if you're a homeowner, you don't have to even worry about it. And even in the House bill, unless you're you know a fairly high income person, you're going to be uh, unaffected by the mortgage deduction. Okay, Julianne, thank you. Howard next in New Jersey with Stephen Moore. How are you, Howard? Hi, hi Sean and Steve. 
Look, I've been a tax attorney for 40 years and a big supporter of the Trump agenda, but while I support the business tax cuts, I, uh, I can't stand the individual tax part of this thing. And I'll give you a specific example. Yeah. I've, got, I've got two clients, husband and wife, both working in New Jersey. The 2016 income was 214000 They could be two school teachers. No, sorry, you're talking too fast. What was their income? 214000 So they could be two school teachers, policemen, etc. In short, okay. I think tip, typical middle class. They yeah. own their own home. Under the new law, they lose the following deductions. 14,000 state income tax, 7,000 property, 8,100 in personal exemptions. Their taxes rise by $2,000. And I don't think this is simply a matter of being a resident of a blue state, which New Jersey is. There are 43 states that have state income taxes. So if you own your own home and itemize, you're going to pay higher taxes there also. So, And what makes matters worse, I think it's immoral for them to change the tax law. Two years ago, these people came to me and asked me how much they could afford to pay for a house. Well, I calculated the tax benefits. It translated into about $3,600 a year, which meant $300 a month extra positive debt quote, and I told them that that would support a mortgage of $60,000. So the increase they're asking price or offering price by $60,000. Now they're stuck without the, the tax benefits. So what I want to know is on the state and, and local tax deduction, why can't you create a phase-out so where it disappears maybe at taxable income levels of 400000 or 500000 so at least these people don't pay higher taxes. I can live with people not getting a tax cut. But if you're going to increase the taxes by a couple, two, three thousand dollars, and I've got many clients in the same yeah. boat, so I don't see where this helps. And by the way, the elimination of the AMT is is meaningless because if you look, right, I'm going to try to get some calls in here. Let him yeah. answer your question. All right, there, there's a lot there. Uh, look, uh, my own view is that it is it is simply horrible tax policy for the United States uh, federal government to to force people in low tax states to subsidize high tax states. It's that simple. It's just not fair for people who live in Texas in Florida, in Tennessee, and Utah uh, to, to subsidize the high government spending that you have in New Jersey. Now, we do cap, uh, it's very likely, Sean, that the final bill will, will provide you up to $10,000 deduction for your property taxes. Um, so the property tax deduction will be retained up to $10,000. And in most states, you know, that's, that's about the, you know, what most people pay in property taxes a year, $10,000. Um, but don't forget, we're also lowering your tax rate. We're doubling your standard deduction. We're increasing the child uh, credit. Those are all things that will be, will, you know, will be very positive for most people. But look, if you're a high-income person uh, or even upper-middle class and you live in New Jersey or California, New York, you know what, your taxes may go up, but, you know, I'm, not, I'm just not sure it's fair for, for you to, to get a tax benefit at the expense of, of people who live in, in lower tax states. You know what, I'm, I, I, we, are, we are now, as New Yorkers, there's no reason Texas and Florida should be subsidizing yeah. uh, those of us that live in New York that elect stupid people that spend too much. That's right. Uh, anyway, Howard, really good call. Thank you. I got to take a break. We'll take more of your questions for Steve Moore, the Heritage Foundation, 800-941-SEAN is on number. All right, as we continue, Steve Moore, he's with the Heritage Foundation, a distinguished visiting fellow for their project of economic growth, taking your questions on this tax bill. Uh, we'll try, let's see, Teresa is in Norman, Oklahoma. How are you, Teresa? Glad you called. You're on with Steve Moore. Hi, guys. Um Teresa from Norman. Uh, my husband and I retired after 30 years in law enforcement and decided to get real jobs and open our own business. And um, unfortunately, in the state of Oklahoma, the business that we opened requires us by law to file our state income taxes as sole proprietors. Mm-hmm. We are concerned that um, we will not be able to do this pass-through legislation 
filing and that we're going to get stuck in this really high income tax bracket. I don't think so. I Look, I've been working with, um, in fact, this, just this morning, Sean, I was over with uh, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, the senator, who's trying to get an even larger reduction in the tax rates for the small businesses, because I actually, it's one of the few things that I disagree with this in, in this bill, is that the, you know, the, bigger, the big corporations get a bigger tax cut than the small businesses. But look, you know, if you're, if you're a sole, sole proprietor and you own that business, you're going to get, uh, I think when all is said and done, your tax rate's going to come down from 40%, uh, ma'am, to about 30%. That's a big, big improvement. And I'd like to see it come down even more than that. But, you know, to go from 40% to 30%, that's enormous savings for a lot of businesses. Does that help you out, Teresa? It does, but we won't be able to do that pass-through thing that we keep hearing about where you can a lot, so much money. Steve, you want to follow up? I'm, I'm sorry, I was having a little t- trouble hearing her, uh, Sean. What, what, what was the question? Will we not be able to do the pass-through or you allot so much money? Um, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but I well, can the pass-through. Look, here's the thing. I mean, if you are a pass-through company and you're a legitimate company and you have employees, do you have employees? Do you hire people? We, we do. We're a retail business. Okay, so you have employees. You will be you. This tax cut will be available to you, and you're going to pay a lower tax rate. And by the way, your employees are going to pay a lower tax rate as well. Oh, all right, okay. Teresa. Thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, let's say hi to uh, Claudette is in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Claudette, how are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean. Hi, Steve. Hey, hi. I know that. Hi, I know that my taxes will go up, and I'll tell you why. Uh, my husband is has severe dementia, and he's in a nursing home. As you know, those costs are huge. And I'm 68. I still work full-time to take care of that bill, but my, my income isn't enough to cover the cost, so I have to mm-hmm. pull money out of our 401K every month, okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. So right now I have $66,000, and if I can take the medical deduction, I will have $66,000 about in deductions, and I have my $8,000 in exemptions. My income is less than $100,000. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have about 26000 in taxable income if things are the way they are now, right? But then if you take the standard deduction of $24,000, which is all I'll get, and take that out of my $100,000 income, I'm left with a $76,000 tax bill, and that's a $50,000 hit. Fifty thousand more in taxable income. You mean income in terms of taxable? Poor income. little me. And that's because, yeah, just so I understand your, just so I understand your situation, that's because you lose your medical deduction for the medical. Which expenses. is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something you know. I I look. I, I don't like that provision of the tax bill, uh, and we're going to conference in this because uh, so, I think this is going to pass uh, as early as tomorrow out of the Senate. The House and Senate have to deal with the differences in this bill, and that's one of the issues that's, that will be on the table, so stay tuned. All right, I want to thank you, Steve Moore. Um, you know, and as we get to conference, remember, the bill passing in the Senate is phase two. It's a great sign. It's great progress. But then it's got to go to conference. We've got to see the final bill, and uh, hopefully it. it'll end up on the president's desk uh, before long. Wow, the Senate's actually working. Shocking. 
Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. This morning, it is a difficult morning here again because our top story is once again about our former colleague, Matt Lauer. And in fact, we just moments ago received a statement from Matt, and let me read it to you. There are no words to express my sorrow and regret for the pain I have caused others by words and actions. To the people I have hurt, I am truly sorry. As I am writing this, I realize the depth of the damage and disappointment I have left behind at home and at NBC. Some of what is being said about me is untrue or mischaracterized, but there is enough truth in these stories to make me feel embarrassed and ashamed. I regret that my shame is now shared by the people I cherish dearly. Repairing the damage will take a lot of time and soul searching, and I'm committed to beginning that effort. It is now my full-time job. The last two days have forced me to take a very hard look at my own troubling flaws. It's been humbling. I am blessed to be surrounded by people I love. I thank them for their patience and grace. And more in your caucus are calling on Conyers to resign. Um, how come you haven't called on him to resign? Well, the, uh, the allegations against Congressman Conyers, as we have learned more since uh, Sunday, are serious, disappoint- disappointing, and very credible. It's very sad. Uh, the brave women who came forward are owed justice. Uh, I pray for Congressman Conyers and his family and wish them well. How? Ever, Congressman Conyers should resign. Uh, as dean, Congressman Conyers has served our, con- our Congress for more than five decades and shaped some of the most consequential legislation of the last half century. However, zero tolerance means consequences for everyone. No matter how great the legacy, it's no license to harass or discriminate. In fact, it makes it even more disappointing. It's all over. There's a new day, and the uh, courage of the women coming forward is something that is uh, making a big difference, but also the attitude in the country, which I think some of it springs from the election of Donald Trump as president. That's just all I'm going to say. Just to clarify, you did just call for Conyers to resign. I said he should resign. Have you relayed that to him? I'm saying it to you right now. All right, that was Savannah Guthrie and reading Matt Lauer's uh, apology from earlier today. Nancy Pelosi, oh, John Conyers should resign. Well, wait a minute. This is the same one saying, well, you know, due process, and he's an icon in the House of Representatives. Uh, Is she going to say, well, in Conyers' case, he's admitted nothing. And Conyers has actually gone out there and said, I don't care what Nancy Pelosi says. All right, so they're at Conyers' house. Let's listen to uh, John Conyers' wife. To disclose who this person is or whoever this is, but as I think back, that do you all go and stalk other people's houses? Do you go and stalk white people's houses? Or just come to black people and stalk our But okay, but uh, this is our private residence. Well, you stalk white people's houses. It's, uh, I don't know what to say. Anyway, joining us now, News Roundup. And uh, all right, as we continue, Jonathan Gillum is with us, uh, host of The Experts, author of the uh, book Sheep No More. Danielle McLaughlin back with us, uh, an attorney, constitutional expert. She wrote or co-wrote The Federalist Society and How Conservatives Took the Law Back from Liberals. Uh, Jonathan, I hear you're uh, disabled. What happened? You had a bike accident? You got hit by a car? You know my the scooter I ride that you're always joking me about. Yeah, I, uh, the car lurched, uh, lurched forward and pushed me into uh, an empty planter. 
Uh, and so I flipped over and tore a quadricep tendon on my leg. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm really sorry. Well, anyway, your book's coming out. It'd be a, a good way to make Jonathan feel better. I guess you can It's just coming out cheap no more. His new book, that'll help. All right, Daniel, let me start the discussion, though, with you. And, you know, we've been playing Nancy Pelosi defending the Clintons all those years. We went back and played her cut with uh, Tim Russert, and we have Nancy Pelosi going on uh, Meet the Press, and, and she's talking about due process for John Conyers, and then she talks about, well, he is an icon in the in the House, and now she has done a 180 and flipped, and now she's saying he must resign. Now, my issue is for all those people on the left that defended the indefensible with Bill Clinton all of those years up to and including last election year, it's pretty interesting to watch their hypocrisy unfold every day. Hey, Sean, uh, this is all uh, this is a tipping point in American history. And Jonathan, I wanted to say I'm so sorry about your tendon. It sounds really I'm able bodied right now. Uh, I'm sorry to hear about your tendon. This is a tipping point, <laughs> Sean. Uh, this is a tipping point, And I have to tell you, as a woman who has worked and lived in three states and three countries and traveled around the world uh, and experienced some of these things firsthand, I'm so glad that these things are coming to light. I think we have enormous problems with due process, with the passage of time, uh, with is how we deal with these very sensitive issues, but I'm glad these things are coming to light. All right, Jonathan, what's your reaction to that? You know, I, I feel the same way. I think what we're seeing here is that, like, for instance, when I was in the military and when I was in the FBI, you know, you didn't just go through sexual um, harassment training. You, you realized that your career would be over if you had done something like this. And in the areas that we're looking at here, what you're seeing, whether it's Hollywood or Washington, D.C., believe it or not, they're not held accountable. They're, those standards don't exist. And the power players in all these areas have been able to utilize their positions, not just to ask people out or flirt, but to do things like, you know, Matt Lauer putting a, a lock on the door where he can lock the door or Harvey Weinstein, you know, using his position to get women up in his room. And now this, you know, John Conyers. I mean, these are odd, um, almost I would say mildly psychopathic type of behaviors that um, if you don't have policies to stop this stuff, uh, that, that these types of people will rise to the top and run wild. Well, you mean you, you read the thing about Matt Lauer and, you know, the door lock thing, I guess, that he had the ability to press a button in his office. How does somebody not know that button exists? Did Matt, you know, one day come in in his carpenter clothes and, and, and his electrician clothes with his, with his tool belt and did he start installing it himself? Or did somebody likely install it for him? No, there, so my understanding no. is that sorry, my understanding is that he wasn't the only one. The sort of the, the latest reporting is that that wasn't unusual for executives uh, to have that capability. If, if a conversation was going to be private, um, there would be this. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! This to, to, to push a button and lock the door in your office. Right. Well, no one's ever given me one of those, <laughs> but it's it's curious, but I don't think it was limited to him. I can tell you right now, I'm sure those are all being removed uh, as we speak. All right, but that's not even, it's not even, it doesn't make sense. And you, by the way, don't think I didn't notice that you ducked my question about 30 years of defending the Clintons. <laughs> I did, I did, I did, Sean. You know what? what I'll no, say no, no, 30 years. Clinton. Now think about this, because it has had an impact. And the impact is for 30 years, and remember, Jennifer Flowers, totally trashed as a liar. He eventually had to admit under oath. 
Yeah, he did have that affair with Jennifer and the whole Monica Lewinsky scandal. Then you got rape allegations and Kathleen Willie groping, grabbing, fondling, touching, kissing. And up to and including last year, the left, by and large, rallied around the Clintons and the, the efforts that were made to smear and besmirch and slander these women. It went on for 30 public years, Danielle. Two things. Uh, the president was impeached on the basis of lying about the affair. There was there were years and years and years of investigation, so I think he did pay certainly a public and a personal price for it. Number two, certainly as a woman, I have always objected to the idea that a wife or a partner or of someone who is doing this should somehow be uh, used as a, as, a, as, a, as a scapegoat or a person to blame. Um, in these types of situations. But Hillary Clinton is still. is a victim as well. Listen, I, I, I still, by the way, Hillary Clinton, has, you know, has never apologized to those women. Clinton supporters, there's a couple now coming out and saying, and, and I would argue only because it's politically expedient because the Clintons aren't going anywhere and nobody's going to need to suck up to them anymore. But this was a systematic, you know, war room, you know, beatdown of these these women that made these allegations. You make a really good point and that, that, that this has become so politicized um, that we're not even really having the kinds of conversations we should be having anymore. Jonathan, you served our country for years. You understand that one of the things that you were, I'm sure what you, 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 you talk, we need to be talking about respecting one another. And I think we need to look at this problem, not through a political lens, because there are people on all sides of the spectrum in every walk of life who have either experienced this or who are perpetrating this. And I, I, Sean, I take your point that this is being politicized by Democrats. Let's not make the same mistakes with Republicans. What's your answer to that, Jonathan? Yeah, listen, I agree with her there. I, I think I will say this about the Clintons. I don't think anything happened in the life of the Clintons that the Clintons aren't fully aware of. But when it comes to the rest of the world, um, I absolutely agree. And, and as you know, Daniel said there at the beginning of the interview, um, this is a turning point in the United States. But this could be a very um, this could be a bad turning point if we don't do this the right way where we unify. If we start to make this a Democratic, Republican or conservative liberal thing, I think we can see it's across the board when you. Open I'm not up, dis- I'm um, not disagreeing with that at all. And I agree. Yeah. This could be a moment that, you know what? People now begin to alter their moral compass a lot. And and that, to me, is going to be a great thing. Um, and, and so there could be. But I, I can't get the, the horrible taste out of my mouth of 30 years. And I'm like, now we're being told by people on the left, you know, it's almost like they just forgot. They have a case of amnesia uh, over what was said and done to all of these women that, that were Clinton accusers. And we now, well, look, we, look, by the way, and we know he was a predator. There's no issues anymore. Bill Clinton was a predator. Well, there, all these people are predators, and not just Clinton, but look what Nancy Pelosi just said about Conyers. You know, she talked about him being in, in office for over 30 years. I mean, not only are these people sexual predators, but they're also terrible at with their job. I mean, our, it's not like our government is in great shape and, oh, one of these people, you know, had a bad uh, judgment call one day. These are people who sit up in high places they're really terrible they don't really know how to lead and they're predators and i can guarantee you sean if we look at all aspects of their life and i think the clintons are a good example of this it's not just going to be sexual predator it's going to be power predators money predators the way they treat people who are serving you're going to see this in all aspects of their life because they're narcissistic and somewhat psychopathic yeah danielle i'd look at the end of the day i'll i'll concede a point to you which i rarely do because i think it's important (laughs) 
And the point is really simple. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a major shift in people's awareness, their consciousness, their behavior, and I would think hopefully in a good way. And that is that you, you treat people with the respect that they deserve. I couldn't agree more, Sean. You know, we are stronger as a country. We are better individually, collectively. We live up to our motto if we treat each other with decency and respect. And I have to say, I think about this for my three-year-old daughter. I know, Sean, you have a daughter. Jonathan, I don't know if you have a daughter or not. Um, But I want her to live in a world where she can go into a job uh, and do well in it or into college um, because of the merits of – because of her merits – and I just want her to have a fair shake, and I don't want this looming over her, especially with powerful men who think that they can get away with things that they should never be able to get away with. Yeah, but I you know, th- we also we also need to be able to say you look very lovely today, and not have to worry that we're going to be charged with sexual harassment. And that's where I don't want to go as well. You saying I look I, lovely I today? You're not even in studio. How do you know how I looked <laughs> today? <laughs> No, but I agree. Well, I agree. I agree, and I think we've got to be really careful about backlash, about uh, women being excluded from things because people are concerned about what they might say or what they might not say. So I think we've got to tread very, very carefully. But all of that said, this is a positive thing, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the women who have st- stood up and spoken out because it's a very difficult thing to do. And these kinds of assaults and this kind of harassment has the effect of making women feel uh, that it's somehow their fault. Uh, there's a lot of shame associated with it. I think something like 6% of uh, sexual assaults are actually reported, which speaks volumes about uh, the sort of the double victimization of it. So, uh, Sean, I agree with you. It's rare. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I'm hopeful this is a turning point, and I think it will be a bit better for not just women, but for all of us. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll have more with Jonathan Gillum and also Danielle McLaughlin right here on The Sean Hannity Show. All right, as we continue, Jonathan Gillum and Danielle McLaughlin are with us. Well, I just want to just say one thing. At the end of the day, um, I just think that we there's some there's some things. And I said this when the Roy Moore case came up. The allegations are so severe, and that they have to be taken seriously. Do you think that that Gloria Allred? Why wouldn't she turn over to forensic experts? You know, Roy Moore said, "I didn't know this woman that that Gloria Allred is representing." And I talked to a handwriting experts, and they say they can pinpoint with pinpoint accuracy if they have writing writing from the time that's comparable, they would be able to determine if it's Roy Moore's writing, and they'd be able to tell if the ink is new or old. Why do you Why do you, you think know, they're not handing that over? Because that's know, I, now I now it's forensics to me. That's that's a simple thing to do. That would be the right thing to do, right? Just like we're talking about this evolution, the way people treat should have been doing a long time ago, treating people with respect. I hope that we uh, that people start to evolve away from Gloria Allred, because whenever she pops up, she adds absolute discredit. It's like if a cop shows up to a bar and two people are fighting and one person didn't do anything wrong, but he's drunk, he's going to lose credibility with the cop. If these women were victimized and they have Gloria Allred by their side, it just sends up all kinds of red flags for me, and I know for a lot of people. Danielle, should I, they do I the forensic to- test? i got to run. You know, that's a decision that Gloria already has to make. I can't imagine a legal reason why you wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, there are many other accusers here. It's, this doesn't hinge on a signature. No, I know. But in one case, if you can prove forensically in one case, I, don't you think that's good for everybody? Yeah, absolutely. 
All right. Thank you both for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. All right. News Roundup Information Overload Hour. This is the Sean Hannity Show. 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. We'll get to your calls in a few minutes here. Uh, Joining us first, uh, former governor of the great state of Arkansas, former presidential candidate, now the host of the show Huckabee on the Trinity Broadcasting Network. Uh, Welcome back, Governor. How are you? Sean, I'm doing great. I just have to get the name of the photographer that did your spread in the New York Times Magazine because I want to make sure that I never, ever get that guy to shoot me. You know, <laughs> congratulations. Congratulations. The, the worst photo yeah. I could ever have. In, listen, they, you, know, you know what it is. They just – and I've, I've read this magazine so many times over the years. I can't think of – a worse cover than this one. And it's like they just this is how the the liberal media wants to portray conservatives as as bitter and angry and mean. And that was not done. That was done on purpose. That was done by design. They picked the worst well, photo, you, the angriest photo they could pick out of a thousand pictures. Well, that's the thing. They take thousands of pictures and you wonder, why do they take so many? It's because if they get one that's really bad, they're going to use it on the cover. But you know what? To heck with them. It's a great fire starter. In the meantime, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity for you to get your message out. Listen, you've been great. uh, certainly doing that. I've watched you your whole career, and you've always handled fire with with a grace and a dignity that um, you really deserve credit for because a lot of people don't. I frankly laughed at the cover, but friends of mine are the ones that are angrier than I am about it. And I'm like, oh, well, it's the New York Times. What did you expect any different? Um, and how is it though, when it's your daughter, I mean, you know, I know you, your daughter, Sarah now really well, and she's doing a phenomenal job at the white house under the most difficult of circumstances. Frankly, I don't know why she does that job. There's not enough money on God's green earth to deal with these idiots in the media. And she does it every day. And then they made this big deal over the fact that she, I guess, tweeted out a picture of a pecan pie, I don't, you know, and. And it's they, they were questioning whether or not it was really her pie. And that's how superfluous and silly the media can be. Well, Sean, you lived in both uh, Georgia and Alabama for a period of time. So oh. I don't have to tell you, but maybe for some of your listeners, this may be news. But you never, ever try to question a Southern woman's homemade pie. You just don't do it because the next words you're going to hear will be three words you never want to hear from a Southern woman. And <laughs> yeah. those are the words, bless your heart. And then it starts coming at you, brother. <laughs> uh, bless your little heart there. Here we go. Well, your, your daughter really did bake it, right? She really did. She's been making this pie for years. Oh. And every year at both Thanksgiving and Christmas, she makes them for family and for friends and neighbors. And it wasn't you know, a big shock that she made the pie. The shock was that it became a national scandal with people questioning whether or not she actually made the pie. I think it's because most of the people in that press room cannot imagine walking into the kitchen and coming out with anything edible. So they just have a hard time believing that my daughter, who is quite the multitasker, could raise three kids, do something in the kitchen, and walk to that podium every day and, uh, you know, give them... Well, apparently she's going to bake a pie for the reporter that asked the question. Is that true? I think so. I, uh, in fact, uh, her husband today was out shopping getting the ingredients. And oh, wait I a minute. I just found, apparently make... she declined to eat. Did she make it? Linda's telling me. Oh, so they, she said she declined to eat it because they don't like how the White House treats the press corps. I mean, wait a minute. I'll take that pie. I'd love that pie, although I can't eat it because I'm too fat. But I mean, I'd love that pie. 
I mean, that's, uh, it's, it's really good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me ask you this. You know, it gets more serious, and I even hate to ask you this, but I mean, this is how vicious and brutal things are. But anyway, over there on fake news CNN, it, you have GOP strategist Rick Wilson calling the calling your daughter a serial congenital liar. Um, because, well, let me play it for you and let you respond. So then how can Sarah Sanders stand there at the podium and say, oh, it's not a slur, the president doesn't mean it as a slur, and then, you know, people say, oh, it's fake news, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not a slur, why are you reporting on it, and of course the president didn't mean it that. Well, I mean, come on. Well, really? Don, because her job, Don, the reason she does that is because her job is contingent upon her being a serial congenital liar in defense of Donald Trump's latest outrages. I mean, she probably has some, like, tiny shriveled husk left in her soul where she realizes this is the wrong thing to do, Rick, but she and, does and it anyway because it, otherwise every, they'll replace her. Every White House press secretary goes out and advocates on behalf of the president. Barack Obama's right, but few presidents, but few on, presidents go out and slang over racial. Few presidents go out and slang over racial code words like that. Few right, presidents go out and crap on the dignity and legacy of the of people like these code okay. talkers, these, these these heroic veterans, and then send their press secretary out to answer questions in a way that isn't saying, "Wow, the president regrets what he said today. He made a mistake. He truly wishes he had not said that." Instead, she goes out and she tries to bury people in an avalanche of, of horseshit every day because this is her job. I get that that's her job. I get the White House press secretary often has to defend the indefensible. But in very few other cases in our modern political history, has the, has the White House press secretary had to go out and defend somebody who is slinging stuff that is demonstrably racially charged? Okay, just to set the record straight, the person that claimed a phony uh, Indian heritage was Elizabeth Warren. The president has referred to her as Pocahontas forever because it turned out she's not an Indian, has no Indian blood, and that she lied and used that as minority status that was even quoted by Harvard. So maybe the only thing the president should have said is fake Pocahontas. Well, first of all, isn't it amazing that CNN presents itself as an objective news entity And you have such vicious editorial comments as you've just played. But the point that Sarah made yesterday, which was extremely valid, was that the real story the press ought to be covering is how does a sitting senator get away with having lied about her heritage in order to advance her career? Is her career not a total fake based on she was able to go from the University of Texas, the University of Pennsylvania, ultimately to Harvard, all based on something that was a complete lie. Now, here's the question. Isn't that cultural appropriation when you take upon yourself something that you don't own, that you don't have any right to? Isn't that what the left normally goes ballistic over? How come they're not ballistic over Elizabeth Warren having culturally appropriated Indian heritage Native American heritage when she doesn't have any answer that one. I, I mean, it's it, it, it is the big lie. And they just they don't even want to address the facts of the case. And I guess the people of Massachusetts were willing to live with that lie because they voted her into office. And she's the, the great hope of of leftist, you know, over the rails liberalism in America today. And, and I guess as long as she has the right politics, she can get away with lying re- with regularity. What do you do in a case of like Al Franken when we have uh, pictures of him with Leanne Tweeden? What do you do in the case of John Conyers when allegations are made or in the case of Roy Moore? And you don't know. It was interesting to watch 
somebody like Nancy Pelosi, who had defended the Clintons for, you know, next up to 30 years, like so many other Democrats defending the indefensible. It all turned out to be true. He was a predator. And I would argue that they only go after Republicans. But when it comes to John Conyers or any Democrat, it's, oh, we can't rush to judgment. Oh, we've got to wait. Um, Oh, everyone is entitled to the presumption of innocence. What do you make of the double standard? There's always been a double standard with Democrats, and that's one of the things that that I had to face in Arkansas, uh, both with the media as well as uh, with the Clintonistas that I inherited the government of. And so I've experienced it my whole life. Uh, But it is frustrating. And I think when we're looking at these uh, issues, like Al Franken, I I watched his press conference. He comes out and he says, you know, uh, I am deeply sorry for the things that I have no idea I did. Well, how do you not remember sticking your tongue down a woman's mouth? How do you not remember having put your hands on the uh, the backsides and the rear ends of, of dozens of women? And if you don't remember it, why would you apologize for it? I mean, that doesn't even add up. Uh, but he's going to stay and Pelosi will back. But we him. also John have Connors, a we have a whole stay. bunch of pictures. I mean, he did pictures of him grabbing not only. You know, Leanne Tweeden and groping her, but Ariana Huffington has said, oh, it's okay because he's a liberal. And Joy Behar, it's okay with her because he's a liberal. But I guarantee you, if it was a conservative, it'd be a different story. Well, it's part of the inconsistency um, of the left. And, you know, I think a lot of Americans are probably as upset as anything over the fact that tax dollars were used to shield these people who had uh, a serious zipper problem. And they used our money not only for their salaries, but they used our money to pay off the victims so that they would keep their mouths shut. Now, I think every one of these people uh, in Congress, either current or former, who've had their uh, activities paid for by the taxpayers should be fully exposed and should pay every dime of it back to the taxpayers, because I personally don't feel any obligation to pay. None. So John Conyers can sit around in his underwear and invite young women to come to his office and take a peek. I mean, mean, disgusting. Why would the taxpayer have to bail them out of their behavior? I mean, we're talking about going to bail you out of yours or mine or anyone else's. It's just absurd. It's it's obscene. And apparently we're talking about millions of dollars here, maybe not a, a lot in the world of Washington, All right, Governor Mike Huckabee, always a pleasure to have you, and we'll see you on TV soon, I'm sure. Thank you, and uh, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You know, many of you are not watching the NFL this weekend, upcoming, and by the way, I respect any decision you want to make. I don't support or plan boycotts like the left does. Uh, I've been choosing to watch football on Saturday, and I'm enjoying it immensely. Quick break, right back, and your calls next half hour straight ahead. Hannity tonight at 9. We are we have such a good show tonight. All right, let's get to our busy telephones. 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. All right, Michelle is in North Carolina. Michelle, hi. How are you? We're glad you called. Hey, Sean. Thank you so much for taking my call. And I wanted to tell you that list that you gave of all of Trump's accomplishments was awesome. And I appreciate you doing that um, because I think Congress really takes us for a bunch of fools. If they really think that we are going to trust them and their evaluation of this next tax bill, that um, we sh- they should we should trust them over President Trump. Because, my word, are we supposed to trust Congress who can only manage to multiply our debt by trillions of dollars? over Trump, who is single-handedly bringing trillions of dollars back into our country. You know, I've got to be honest. Listen, he's done everything he could do as one person. 
you know, but we do have co-equal branches of government. We have separation of powers. He can't legislate. We have the legislative branch. They do their job. He signs these bills into law. If they don't sign, if they don't get the bills done, he can't sign them. These bills will greatly impact all of the Americans that have been left behind, forgotten men and women, out of work, out of uh, on food stamps, out of the labor force, and help them get back into producting, being having productive opportunities for their lives. These people are craving it. No person I know is living the good life on food stamps. It's it, you're barely keeping your head above water. You're gulping every single day, and you you know you're just trying to manage between you know whatever food you can afford that given day. I mean, it's a horrible existence, and so we can do better. This country can create millions and millions of jobs. We've done it. We know how to do it. We know what the formula is to do it. And we've got a plan that is at least going to jumpstart the economy in a pretty profound way. I wish they'd go further with cutting all marginal tax rates, but they don't want to do that. They don't want to be accused of tax cuts for the rich. All right, Michelle, thank you. Joe in Ohio, less than a minute, Joe. Hey, Sean, Sean, ordered a copy of Conservative Victory, so that's on the way. Oh, good. Reading that book. Thank you. Yes. Um, In regards to Robert Mueller, obviously he's no dummy. I assume he's a fairly intelligent man, so he has to know impeachment is not a realistic option. My question is, what do you think is his true endgame? Is it exposure to the high-profile nature of the case? Is it financial gain? Curious on your take. I'll hang up and listen now. Thanks. Look, I think Mueller's endgame is to get the president. I think to go as high up the ladder as he possibly can. And I think uh, Greg Jarrett and I think Alan Dershowitz and and a lot of other people have this 100% right. And that is that they're now starting at the bottom. These are not cases they care about, no cases that are related to to Trump and Russia and collusion. And they're going to try and squeeze Manafort, squeeze General Flynn and squeeze anybody else that they possibly can in the hopes that they'll cough up some information to save themselves. They don't care if it's true or accurate or not, but that's what their hope is. It's a fishing expedition and they're fishing with with real human beings on the other side of the line as bait. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. My new book, Through Your Eyes, is now on store shelves, and I am donating a portion of the proceeds to Folds of Honor, which is an organization that provides scholarships and assistance to the spouses and children of fallen soldiers. Thank you, Folds of Honor. My name is Carolina Guerrero. I am from El Paso, Texas. I am currently attending the University of Texas at El Paso. I'd like to thank Folds of Honor for awarding me with a scholarship. I'm from San Antonio, Texas, and I'm attending Baylor University as a biology major. My father served 20 years in the United States Army as a Green Beret. He's 100% disabled. I'd like to thank Folds Honor again for allowing me to attend Texas A&M University and fulfill my dream. Thank you. I would say it's a group effort, but as we head into the holidays, it's a happy time for many of us, but the realities are there are over one million dependents in this country, so spouses and children who've had somebody killed or disabled defending our freedoms. And that's why we're here on the, on the couch today, and we're brought together to, um, to ensure we can bring a light of hope into an inherently you know, very dark situation, but as Americans say thank you for sure. our freedoms. And- Thank you so much for what you're doing for our fallen soldiers and their kids. And I thought when I wrote children's book, when I'm writing the children's books, I want to do something for not only our military, yeah. but for kids. So, so that's the book. And uh, Major Dan, take a look at this. Oh, my God. Ainsley Earhart is oh. donating $50,000 to Folds of Honor. 
That's coming out of my paycheck because so many people out there have bought the book and a portion of the proceeds is going to your, your organization. You guys know I'm not speechless very often, um, but unbelievable. And more importantly, that's, um, that's 10 lives um, of children that will go to school literally this year. Um, we had an amazing year at Folds. Um, we awarded almost $16 million in scholarships. We have millions in unfunded requests from families. And you can't help but think about the, the title to your book, Through Your Eyes. All right, 23 now till the uh, top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free number. You want to be a part of the program. You know, I was actually watching Fox and Friends this morning, and I, I saw this whole thing unfold. And as you know, we have we have associated ourselves here on this program with many military uh, charities, the, the Freedom Alliance. They have a similar thing where they give scholarships to the, the children of fallen heroes or severely injured heroes. Uh, and they've done an amazing job. Colonel North and, and his group uh, uh, over the years have been fantastic. Another group that I'm really proud to be associated with is Building Homes for Heroes, those that are severely injured. I've met, I've met so many of these guys. they got a new home that they're going to be unveiling down in Florida this uh, month of December coming up. And uh, I'm going to try and make it down there if I can and, and be there for the opening of the house because these homes are built specifically for the for the injuries that these brave men and women have. And I was watching this today and I'm thinking, all right, well, Christmas is coming up. And uh, Ainsley Earhart, she's one of the co-hosts of Fox and Friends. She's offering a, a part of her the money she's made from our number one best-selling New York Times book, Through Your Eyes, My Child's Gift to Me. Uh, she's given now $50,000 to Folds of Honor, and I saw Major Dan Rooney. He's the CEO and founder of Folds of Honor, and I welcome you both uh, to the program. Uh, Ainsley, welcome back, and Dan, it's an honor to see you. By the way, I think you could fill in for Brian or Steve any day. I thought you did great today. <laughs> Not Ainsley, though. No, you couldn't fill in for Ainsley. <laughs> Nobody can fill in for Ainsley. She is one of a kind. Well, number one, I, I was kind of inspired by it because you actually put together a montage of the kids that are benefiting from the scholarships. And I know you, you used examples in Ainsley's home state, original home state of what, South Carolina. Uh, yeah, affirmative. So um, in Ainsley's book, obviously funded 10 scholarships, and we wanted really? to show her the impact she was having you know, over half a million dollars deployed this year into the state of South Carolina. And um, what we do is, is real. And the stories of the lives that are impacted are, are real. And we're really proud to obviously have Ainsley and her amazing new book uh, supporting us. You know, it's sad in so many ways. Now, I know we've made changes at the Department of Veterans Affairs. I mean, we know how atrocious the VA hospitals have been. And and it's frankly been nothing but outright corruption. Um, and I was watching this and, and Ainsley, maybe you can pick it up from here. You guys actually challenged the your audience this morning. And I thought I I'd, I'd wanted to kind of add to it a little bit if we can here mm -hmm. on the radio. And you asked people, I think it was, what, $17 a month? Am I getting yeah. that right? Yes, it's $13 a month. $13, and why sorry. 13 There are 13 folds that bring the flag to its triangle That's shape. It, right. And we challenge people if uh, they became a wingman and pledged $13 a month to Folds of Honor that we would send them uh, Ainsley's book, Through Your Eyes. And we've had over 300 people. That's what it's going to take for me to get a copy up. of the book? I never got a copy from Ainsley Earhart's new book. Uh, <laughs> But, I'll give you a copy, Sean. But all right, so, what drew you, Ainsley, to this 
charity? What, what was it? I mean, there's there's a lot of good charities. And I know, actually, you helped over a couple of Christmases when we did homes for mm-hmm. Building Homes for Heroes. Um, mm-hmm. What was it about Folds of Honor that drew you in that, you know, you donated all this money? Yeah, I was really torn because I love Freedom Alliance. Of course, I love Building Homes for Heroes. We've been involved. Sean and I have with, with that charity for a very long time. Many of the anchors at Fox have been involved in that because Andy Pujol lost so many people that he loved in 9-11, and he gave up his job on Wall Street to start building homes for these severely injured veterans. And I met one guy, I did a story, and he was burned on 60 or 70% of his body. And his his story truly changed my life. I spent a few, a few days down in Florida with his family, and his parents left New York, left everything behind to go be with their son, and they built a house and their son's honor down there. So I love that organization, and that was tough. But I was writing children's books, and I, I wanted to... I wanted it to be a charity that involved the military but still involved children. And so I believe there isn't a coincidence. I believe that God puts people in my life, my life and all of our lives at the right moment. And so I was praying about it and doing my research, and I just asked God to send me the right charity. And so our executive producer on Fox & Friends, Gavin Haddon, said, Have you heard of Folds of Honor? And he said, one of my really good friends, and they've since become best friends, Dan Rooney, just started this organization. It's now a platinum, it's a platinum-rated organization, which means they give the majority more than, what is it, Dan? You give 90-what percent of your, of your proceeds back into the organization, back to scholarships. Yeah, historically, so we're right about 90 cents of every dollar going back to fund scholarship programs. That's amazing. That's, a, so really, that's a really high rate. and Really high rate. And it's very expensive to do this. Um, and and by the way, congrats on the, this is your second book, Child's in a series now through your eyes, uh, my child's gift to me, um, and you do give to Folds of Honor with every book that you're selling. And uh, but I watched this, and it made me today watching the whole thing because I do give to these other charities. Why don't you tell us, Dan, how did you come up with this concept? Because there are thirteen folds, which I, by the way, I couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> But I, I love when when you see troops with reverence fold our flag. That's why I was so angry at the NFL this year. But not to make it political, I'll drag you into my mess. But I'm like, don't take it. Too many men have fought, bled, and died fighting under that flag. Yeah, Sean, and, and I'm still in the fight. And so I'm a fighter pilot in the 301st Fighter Squadron, and I'll leave uh, New York City tomorrow morning, and I'll be in a fighter jet going supersonic on Saturday. Wow. And so, from my perspective, and I'm the father of five daughters. Wow! And I Do you think, know where you're going. Um, I know where I'm going this weekend. You're, so. you're not going to tell me where you're going. No, I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. Uh, uh, what and you, too many people love you to what, do that. What do you actually? How fast do you fly? We get up over the speed of sound. So unbelievable. We, uh, we what's go, that like with go, that sonic boom, as we call it? Look at look at my hair. Uh, <laughs> I have I have a face for radio. Wait a minute, as you, my buddy John told me, your hair is tan. You got a tan on the top of your head. So listen, I've always thought having a shaved head makes you look tough. And it's, a yeah. lot of my martial artist friends, they have they they do that on purpose. It's worth at least a couple extra knots in a fighter jet. Oh, uh, absolutely, having a shaved head, but. Uh, <laughs> But on a serious note, well, I, I think what you should do is take Ainsley up there with you and and let her go through the sonic boom. I would love to take Ainsley, and there there is no it's sonic right. boom. Uh, by uh, the way, and we can film it and we'll put it on Hannity on my program. Well, you let's do it. Me. It started here. Ainsley, Dan, are you up for that? Dan, I will do it. I will do it. It is. I am. I'm a mom now, so it makes me a little nervous. But I will <laughs> do it. But Sean does this to me. I, when I worked for his show, Dan, he made me jump out of an airplane twice. Not really made me, but. I did it for his show, jumped out of the airplane twice, and flew in an F-15. 
Well, by the way, so, we, well, I think even a worse assignment was sending you down a, a spring break for three summers in a row. One, I think, when you were expecting your baby. I know. I know. Danny loves that story. Yeah, so I had to go down to spring break to set some of those kids straight because they were doing some bad things. Yeah, and, and she's trying off camera. You, you see the outtakes. She's saying, now, listen, you can't be doing this. you got to behave. This is all going to come back later in your future. Which- Sean, Dan has five girls. He would appreciate it if I did that to his no, girls. No, I know. I, I I've got a daughter. I, I'm not, my daughter asked me to go to spring break. The answer is hell no. It's not going to happen. Now, I, I, listen, I can't sign up for the $13 a month, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I don't like to write a lot of checks. So I'm just going to write you one check that will cover me for a few years, okay? Uh, and we'd be honored to pay but, it forward. But I know that, that our audience loves what you guys do. It's very important. We don't take a, as good care of our military as we should. And I was watching this morning, and frankly, uh, Ainsley's $50,000 donation inspired me. What can, we, what can we do? What can people do? How can they sign up for this $13 a month? And they can visit foldsofhonor.org uh, and become a wingman for $13 a month. And you don't have to write a check. We'll just hit your credit card um, every month. And uh, those that sign up. That's a up, great way to do it. Now those just... that sign up, we're going to send them uh, a copy of Ainsley's book uh, as well. Is and, it autographed? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Ainsley, you're going to autograph as many as they. Of course. What? Now, I want to ask you, you know, I did look through your, your new book. I had to steal a copy that was in the green room because I never got a free copy like everybody else did. But mm-hmm. uh, through your eyes, my child's gift to me, one of the things that kind of amazed me about, about the book and was pretty interesting and inspiring to me is, you know, as an adult, if it starts raining, I get pissed off. You know, if it mm-hmm. start, if I have to dig out my car from the snow, it kind of pisses me off. Ah, that snow. Oh, it's raining. And it's like when you think of or if you look at children and they're like, it's snowing. Oh, look, it snowed. It snowed. I remember when I was a kid. It snowed. No school today. I was the happiest kid in, in the world. Then I'd go out and make mm-hmm. snowballs, hang on the back of cars and get arrested and, and get in trouble. But it was the happiest time of my life. And I think as adults, we really lose that, don't we? I think so. I think that's why on the book tour I've met so many grandparents that have been able to say, they love being grandparents. They love their grandkids. And I'll say, really, you can love the kids, your grandkids, more than you love your own children? I can't imagine that now that I'm a parent. And they say, I'm telling you, it is so much better. And I'll say, why? And they said, because we've learned to take small steps. We've learned to slow down a little bit. The world was such a blur when we were raising our kids. We were so busy. And now we can relax and we can have fun with our grandkids. We can spoil them and then send them home. So that's why I really By the way, the send them home part's the, the interesting part. Yes. So, so when they're tired and, and you have to put them in the bed and they don't want to go to bed. I know. Listen, I, I know, my kids never wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> I know. You know, Sean, I can't. Yeah, I just I can't get enough of my daughter, though. But I was also 39 when I was pregnant with her. I wanted to have a child. We had some difficulties getting pregnant. And when I finally held her in my arms, I remember hearing a testimony from a man who said his child was born with a terminal illness. And every time the child would cry at night, he and his wife would take turns just holding the child. And he said every other parent was was so frustrated when their kids would get to them in the middle of the night. But I loved it because I knew my child wasn't going to live a very long life. And so I thought about that when I had Hayden. And she has taught me so much about, you know, we are all so busy. I think that we... We're so we just have we have our jobs we have our kids. Oh, it's, like it's go 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 go. You go, never rest. Go, go. Yeah, it's no. true. It's true. Yeah. And so I think having her has taught me 
You can put down the pen and paper at work. You can pack up a little early. And I've worked so hard. I'm not encouraging people not to work hard because I've done that. And I've worked the crazy hours and stayed the overnight for, you know, years on end at Fox News. But she's just taught me what's really important, and that is just to enjoy the quality time that I have with her and to slow down and take a breath. That's a and great. So that's what the book is about. That's a great Christmas message, and the book is called Through Your Eyes, My Child's Gift to Me. It's in bookstores everywhere. And if you go to Dan's website for Folds of Honor, uh, you'll get a free copy of Ainsley's book, and, and mm-hmm. you can sign up $13 a month, and you can help put the these kids through college, and where do they go to do that, Dan? Yeah, spouses and children through college at foldsofhonor.org. And freedom isn't free, and we'd be honored to uh, to pay it forward and send you a copy of Ainsley's amazing book, Through Your Eyes. Well, that's, that was extremely generous. Uh, I will be sending you a check. Uh, I'm really glad you do this. God bless you. And uh, Ainsley, thanks for being with us. I thought it was a great segment John, this morning. Can I add one more thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be in Dallas on Sunday signing books at 1 o'clock on Sunday, December 3rd. So if you live in Dallas, please come out and meet me so I'm not at the table by myself. It's at West. <laughs> I doubt West, that's going to happen. What? I doubt that's going to be the case, but okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, we'll put it on our website. And uh, thank you both for being with us. Great job, uh, both of you, and we appreciate your time. And Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, it, it, we have a lot to be thankful for, and giving back, I think, is a, a key responsibility of everyone that's been so blessed by our military. Uh, quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue Sean Hannity show. All right, Hannity tonight at 9. Awesome show, I promise you. 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. As always, thank you for being with us. We'll see you back here tomorrow. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.